You're listening to episode 19 of the Study Hub. On this programme, German, economics, politics and society. And you're very welcome into the Study Hub this evening for Gade Milaforta. And we know that you're all very, very, very busy counting your shamrocks and shillelaghs for Patrick's Day tomorrow. And you may even take a few hours off study. I can write a note for you. But for this evening, we will plough on. And we want to start by mentioning the exam portal. And Sarah was discussing this earlier in the programme. We know it opened last week for you to register your details for the Leaving Cert process. At this stage, we can tell you that 95% of students have registered with the system. But we have even better news. And that is that just as we were coming on air, the Department of Education told us that they are so keen to accommodate all students that they are leaving access to the portal open for a few more hours this evening. In fact, it's going to be open until midnight. So if you haven't registered yet, go do it now. You have an extension this evening, a few precious hours. So we really are encouraging everybody to get that registration completed. So just to reiterate that update, the exam portal is still open. It was due to close at 6pm. 95% of students have registered. But to help facilitate that final 5%, access will remain open for a few more hours until midnight. So for whatever reason you haven't done it yet, please go online and get your details on there. We'll be giving you an update on all the latest Leaving Cert conversation news on Thursday. So do tune into that. But back to tonight and on the show, we will be discussing three subjects and giving you, of course, excellent tips and advice around handling those exams. And as usual, I have a few probably quite cheesy hints for you to help out to see if you can guess which topics we are covering tonight. So have a listen to this and see what you think it might be. And let's be honest, this first clip, it's a classic and to be honest, really one I've been waiting to hear since the study hub started. In 1930, the Republican-controlled House of Representatives passed the, anyone? The Hawley-Smoot Tariff Act, which anyone raised or lowered? Raised tariffs in an effort to collect more revenue for the federal government. Did it work? It did not work, and the United States sank deeper into the Great Depression. Today, we have a similar debate over this. Anyone know what this is, class? Anyone? Anyone seen this before? The Laffer Curve. Anyone know what this says? It says that at this point on the revenue curve, you will get exactly the same amount of revenue as at this point. This is very controversial. Does anyone know what Vice President Bush called this in 1980? Anyone? Something D-O-O economics. Voodoo economics. Anyone, anyone. There has to be the most famous economics class in movie land. Voodoo and all other sorts will be under the microscope tonight on the programme. And then also this evening we will turn our attention to German and get some wunderbar advice to help you navigate the German oral, written and comprehension exams. And to get us into the zone, we turn to Peter Schilling and Major Tom.
Peter Schilling there with his version of Major Tom, which has appeared in many popular TV and movie soundtracks, including Deutschland 83, Umbrella Academy, Breaking Bad, and now even The Study Hub. I mean, it doesn't get bigger, bigger, bigger or better than that, I should say. So if you have questions on either German or economics, you can text us in now on 51551. And as if that's not enough excitement for this evening, we're planning on finding a few minutes at some point to draw your attention to a subject that's really beginning to find its way into the magical land of the Leaving Cert, and it's called Politics and Society. It's the one paper that you might expect people working at this building in the RT Radio Centre that they should be able to handle at the drop of a hat, or can they? So Describe two key elements of the UN Declaration on the Right to Development. OK, I'd have to plead ignorance on that one, I would say. Is it possible to talk about a shared Irish identity in Ireland today? Justify your answer. Holy cow. <laughs> we'll be hearing from A.B. Philbin Bowman as he reveals how Cormac O'Hara from this parish, as they say, handled this journo-friendly paper. Busy show, of course, and your contribution always welcome. So you can email us at studyhub.rte.ie or indeed follow us on Twitter, drivetimerte or my own handle, Evelyn underscore O'Rourke, to get updates and information too. But first this evening, a subject which has undergone some transformation. And a few weeks ago, we learned that agricultural science is introducing a brand new course and exam this year, which is, you know, a tough thing to do in the middle of a pandemic. But it's not the only subject finding itself in this position because economics pretty much has a new course and exam for the first time in decades. Joining me now is economics teacher from Our Ladies in Turn, you're in Dublin, Lorraine Clancy. Good evening, Lorraine. Hi, how are you, Evelyn? I'm great. Lorraine, a brand new exam. I mean, it hasn't changed since the 1960s, so it's all kind of new. So what can students expect at this stage to face in this exam, Lorraine? Um, okay, so yeah, a lot of changes in the exam and there's a new layout of the paper, so quite different from the old paper. So you still have it broken down into like economics short questions and your long questions. So 20% of the paper is your short questions, so you'll have to do 8 out of 10 short questions. And then for your long questions, you get an option of 4 out of 6 long questions. Now, how long do they give you for this exam? And, you know, are people up against the clock in it? Or how, how do people tend to handle it, do you think, looking at the sample papers so far? I think in, you would have enough time with this paper. So it's two hours and 30 minutes. So I think if you go in there, you still have five minutes at the beginning to kind of organise yourself, uh, read through your questions, pick out ones that suit you, and you'll still have a couple of minutes at the end to read over. So I don't think you're under as much time pressure as you might be in like other essay subjects. And as we keep saying on the programme, we call next week the week of clarity. It's when you know we'll get final confirmation on the shape of the papers. There may be some changes, but in general, the papers seem to be getting a little more choice and that pressure at time seems to be not so much of an issue this year which will be very welcome by students um, and it might, yeah, and it might be the same with economics but let's carry on. It, as you say a two section paper. Let's start with section A there, those short questions then. How many marks and what kind of timing should students think about and consider for this? Okay, so for section A, it, it's nice to kind of start off with this section because it is your short questions, so it's a little bit easier. Um, this is worth 80 marks in total, so it's 20% of your paper. So I would be suggesting to spend about 32 minutes here, um, and I would recommend maybe doing all 10 questions because you'll have time, and that's about like 3.2 minutes per question then. So you know that if you start at 9.30 on the 25th of June, you should be kind of finished the first section at like seven minutes past 10. So you have like a good time frame of when you get in there. That's pretty precise. I like it. Now, section <laughs> B, that's the kind of the big one, worth 320 marks, longer answers. What kind of length of answers are they expecting here? Can you write in bullet points? Just give us some hints about style as well, Lorraine. 
Oh, absolutely. So this year they've laid out the paper really nicely where it's actually broken down and you just fill in the spaces. So even though it's the extended responses part of the paper, you will still have to do some shorter questions. They'll still be like outline or like state here. Um, and then they work their way up to maybe longer questions. So a longer question could still be like only three to four marks. So you would do that in bullet points. And again, they kind of give you the space provided. So you have a good idea of how long that question should be. And again, for the longer questions like one question is worth 80 marks so you're spending just under a half an hour per question but again it's nice and broken down for you as well. So you know as you say maybe some uh, changes next week but some advice will never change which is that you want them to read the questions carefully and can you explain to us how important it is that the students address the key terms in questions? Yeah, so in economics, definitely. So what you can do is like pick out those key terms. What I would do at the very beginning is actually go through them and underline the terms that they're maybe asking you in the question, as well as looking at the command terms. So if you see something like evaluate that you're making sure that you do your pros and your cons or your advantages and your disadvantages. So you're really looking at what that question is asking you. Okay, so now in terms of then the questions, you've said, you know, roughly, I think, 27 minutes for those. Talk about structuring the answers then as such. What are the examiners looking for, do you think? Okay, so for if you were doing something like your analyse question, so that's a command term. What they're looking for there is for you to identify maybe key trends that are in the question. So if you analyse something, you might put like two points underneath it. But if they ask you to discuss or evaluate, maybe... um, whatever the question might be, um, they're looking for more information there, more depth in the question. So you know as you're kind of getting further down the question that they're looking for more and more information. So by the time you might get to the end where it's evaluated, you might be putting in like three bullet points um, here. I liked the advice that you give, which is avoid spending too much time on your first point, which is something we're all guilty of. You know, you see the bit you know and you kind of lash it all down, but you won't, there's a limit to how many marks you can get for that. It doesn't matter how beautiful that first bit is. That's it. That's it. So like you need to make sure that you're just spending equal amount of time on like each part of that answer, because like you said, you will max yourself out in terms of like how much you're going to get for it. Now, can we talk about infographics and tables in the economics exam? I mean, would they be spread liberally throughout? Yeah, and that is a new thing that's happening for this year's paper. So they seem to be using a lot of that in the sample paper was infographics. So again, they will be um, in demand for supply. Uh, So what I would do there is make sure that you kind of know how to analyse those trends and that when you're answering those questions, that you make sure that you're using figures from the graphs as well or the infographics uh, in your answer. Now, I'm very impressed by the fact that you are advising and recommending to students that they should follow RT News. They can be up to date with the current news and stats and the CSO. Again, what role, what kind of use is this for students, do you think? Uh, so again, it's in economics particularly, it's really, really important that you apply what you're learning in school with what's happening in the real world. So I would be definitely following that, whether it's on Instagram, you're following RT News or like CSO, um, and then you're using that knowledge in your answer. Okay. Now, um, I'm also going to talk about acronyms because we love a good acronym here in the study hub on the TSH. Uh, tell us about CLASP, for example. This is an example of one in economics. 
Oh, great. Yeah, so this is one we use if we're trying to evaluate. So again, you don't have to use all of these letters here, but if you're looking at a particular topic, so you might be looking at, I don't know, regulating monopolies or implementing some kind of interest rates. So what you could do is you could um, go through C for your like pros and your cons. Um, so your L could be for your long-term versus your short-term. So what are your long-term implications versus your short-term implications? Um, so, yeah, then you're looking at, I'm trying to think what the rest of them are here, your uh, priorities, like, yeah. yeah, yeah. So you're looking at your priorities. How would you prioritize the impact um, on different stakeholders? So maybe the particular policy by the government will impact different stakeholders differently. So you might look at the impact on low income earners versus high income earners um, or like in different parts of the country or something like that. Interesting. Interesting for this early years for this paper with all that's gone on in this year economically, how that's going to inform this subject mm. uh, down the years. But for the moment, Lorraine, we're going to leave it there. I know you're going to stay near your phone there and hopefully we'll get back to you for a few quick questions at the end. And we're inviting people to get those questions into us at 51551. But for the moment, Lorraine Cancy, bear with us. We'll be back to you. Our thanks there, Lorraine, from Our Ladies Town. You are now. How do you study a Leaving Cert subject where the content changes every week or even every day or by the minute in some cases? Well, we're going to plough through that very question as we profile the politics and society course. And we even get to send Drive Time's Cormac O'Hara back to school. A.B. Philbin Bowman has been testing Cormac and others and he joins me now. A.B., first off, tell us more about this intriguing sounding subject. So Politics and Society is a crash course in citizenship and democracy and it launched five years ago in 2016 which you may remember was a pretty quiet year politically (laughs) and one of the first teachers to take it on was Dr Jerome Devitt and he told me the thrill of teaching this for the first time was nobody could tell you you were doing it wrong. You got to teach the way you thought teaching should be done. So I asked him to tell me how it all started. Uh, So the course was launched in 2016. That's when the first kind of cohort of schools, about 40 schools, joined. And it brought in teachers and schools from all over the country, uh, kind of geographically, socioeconomically divided. A phrase I used to always use is that we took turns in rowing the lifeboat because we were literally having to depend very much on sharing resources with each other, sharing perspectives. When the subject started in 2016, it started in the immediate aftermath of Brexit. And within eight weeks of starting into the subject, Trump got elected. So, you know, it literally was a case of down tools and the students came in with piles and piles of questions. That is a real example of a subject breathing life into into news and current affairs. So how does a typical class play out then, A.B.? Well, that's exactly what I asked Dr. Devitt next. So with any given class or any piece of work that the students are engaging with, I'm constantly trying to do three things. I'm trying to balance out, if you think of it like a little triangle, I'm trying to balance out the theoretical and the abstract. We have 17 key thinkers on the course. And so we learn about the perspectives of John Locke or Thomas Hobbes and feminism and the patriarchy. And we're always trying to balance that theoretical aspect with current events, with world and national news. And then most importantly, I know if a class has gone well because the students will have engaged, they'll have given the third point of the triangle, they'll have given their own personal perspective. So can they take those big abstract ideas? Can they look at them in the context of national and global events? And then can they come to their own conclusions about that? The, the, the number one rule in my class is that you're not allowed to have an opinion, but you are allowed to have an informed opinion. And I don't care if you're coming into my class looking for 600 points or looking for six points, because at the end of the day, my motivation is that when my students leave my class, their vote is going to count just as much as my vote. The excellent Dr. Jerome Devitt. They're very enthusiastic about all this, A.B., but you also spoke to Catherine McGing to find out more. 
and she teaches politics and society in Limerick. So I asked her, how do you know a class is going really well? What does a successful class look like? Um, in the school that I teach in, because it's a girls' school, I work in a city school in in Limerick, um, the areas that we really find the most kind of engaging, I suppose, generally it's to do with gender equality or questions of patriarchal structures. Um, when it goes well, what you're going to get is you're going to get lots of opinions and lots of thoughts about it and lots of lived experience. And I think that's one of the nice things about the course is that it asks the students to put themselves into the equation, um, which I think in other courses they're not asked to. So we start very much with the, the self and then we move out to the local community and then the national and then the international and you know the girls have to check their privilege all the time and those privileges are um very much about going to school you know at the age of 17 18 and of living in 2021 and having sort of you know the ability to marry whoever they want and bodily autonomy and those sorts of things when they understand that their privilege and then they can see how other people don't experience that that's when you know you're winning when you can actually show them that the world that they live in isn't a fair place but that there are things that they could also do to try and make it more fair. Oh, to be a fly on the wall in some of those classes, it sounds absolutely great. So what kind of current events do they discuss, AB? Well, it's kind of whatever's happened last week. I mean, it could be lockdown restrictions in Ireland. It's been farmers' protests in India. But when I asked Catherine McGinn, it was one event that really got her students engaged. The storming of the Capitol on the 6th of January was an unbelievably useful tool for us as politics and society teachers because it covered so many aspects of the course. I took the angle of decided to look at the question of protest and, you know, the difference between different types of protest and civil disobedience and when there, when protest is a good thing and when it's not a good thing and how do we limit people's rights to that. But I mean, that was also a media question. It was a question about the separation of powers. It was a question about government. It was a question about personal responsibility. And there were so many aspects to it and they really loved it. That was something that really uh, resonated with them because they really understood the danger involved. And that's that's what that's what they needed to understand. That's what we all needed to understand from that experience. Catherine McGing there now, Aby, you sent Cormac O'Hara back to school. Yeah, well, given that we deal with these topics every day on drive time, I thought I'd turn the tables on Cormac O'Hara, subject him <laughs> to a few questions, and specifically questions from the politics and society past papers. Now, his answers, as you'd expect, were quite long, some a little long-winded, perhaps, so I've faded them down and significantly shortened them, but it'll give you a flavour of how Cormac got on facing this exam question. Is the election process to Shannon Aaron a democratic process? Give a reason for your answer. Um, maybe the answer there is somewhat, is it fully democratic and representative? Possibly not, uh, because not everyone has a vote. So how could it be? Uh, what is the purpose of the challenge? It's a check and balance on the, the working of the doll. So Describe two key elements of the UN Declaration on the Right to Development. Okay, I'd have to plead ignorance on that one, I would say. Is it possible to talk about a shared Irish identity in Ireland today? Justify your answer. Holy cow. You know, be, being an Irish language speaker, uh, somebody from the Gwildacht, and having conversations about identity uh, with people right throughout my life, I know that um, questions and debates around identity are fraught and they're difficult and they're challenging. <laughs> well, in fairness to Cormac, he didn't do badly at all there, it sounds like. 
No, no, he was a good sport. And I mean, I, I never knew he was an Irish speaker. He's very modest. Steady about now, Cormac. Uh, well, the one thing I did find, uh, look, uh, in terms of knowledge, he was very, very good. But in a rookie error, he spent way too long on the short questions. So when he came to the essay at the end, he <laughs> hadn't left himself enough time and ran way over. So I, I, I give him eight out of 10 on the knowledge, but maybe two out of 10 on time <laughs> management. So he's now looking at his ninth choice in the CAO, <laughs> social studies at the University of Plymouth. <laughs> Thank you so much, AB. And I'm sure Cormac really enjoyed that too but yeah fascinating course as we interested in your views on that if you're studying it we'd love to hear from you on 51551 but next this evening we turn to Helmut Sunderman who's one of the teachers at St Killian's German School in Klonski in Dublin and and uh, Helmut's going to talk us through the German paper Helmut willkommen to Study Hub Yeah, guten Abend uh, Evelyn es freut mich bei Study Hub zu Gast zu sein wie geht's? Oh. <laughs> Fantastic. Hi, how are you? I'm oh, pleased great. to be on the programme. Thank you very much. Listen, we're delighted to have you on. Busy paper this because, of course, you have the oral component, then a written exam and then um, a, a comprehension Indeed. as well. Let's talk about the oral quickly there, Helmut. What kind of advice do you give students preparing for the oral now? Yeah, I think it's a really, really important exam uh, and it will come to the students now in uh, the Easter holidays. It's the one where they are a little bit more in charge. So good preparation for the oral is uh, really uh, advised. Yeah, the German oral is really very well structured. Uh, it contains a general conversation of five minutes, a role play or a, a project option, and finally uh, the uh, 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 picture stories, or the picture stories come first and then the role play. I think uh, very good preparation of the material is advised. Uh, that should happen before the exam. Then in the exam, I would hope that the students are relaxed uh, as much as they can be. Uh, and that they listen very carefully. Because I think sometimes because there's so much material, you're very focused on your material and you forget actually to listen to the questions. So listen very, very carefully to the questions and don't give one-word answers or yeah, nine answers and try to elaborate. And You've uh, got a then, nice line about treating it like a job interview, you know, keep going, don't just yeah, go exactly. yes and no, keep, you know, add to it, make it a kind of a conversation. But that or An authentic piece... conversation, so don't uh, have too much learned of material. You you prepare your passages and you, you have vocabulary, but be, be ready then to make it an authentic live communication. Well, that's great advice there. The oral done then, we move on to that written exam and we'll talk about the comprehension in a few minutes, but first the written exam. And you advise and recommend that students might start with the reading and comprehension. What should they expect there, Helmut? Yeah, I think the, the, the German paper is, uh, you have two and a half hours, but uh, there's quite a lot to fit in, I think. And even when I looked over in preparation for this again, I thought, you, you know, you have to be on the ball and you have to be, uh, uh, you, ca- you can't waste time. So just look over the paper, I'd say, for five minutes at the beginning to familiarise yourself with it. Uh, look at some of the themes and topics that are coming up. You might want to look at the grammar part or the letter and see what's coming up. But then I would actually recommend starting with the reading comprehensions and I would probably go in order. I would tackle the more challenging one first, which is the first text, which is called literary uh, text. And uh, then there's always begin with the questions. It's really, really, really important to read the questions carefully. And for that, you should be very familiar with the German question words. And in the German paper, sometimes some of the questions words are the slightly less familiar ones. Uh, so, you know, everybody knows the familiar ones with wer, wie, was, wann, but sometimes they have things like weshalb or worum or worauf. Uh, just make sure you know your question words. And then when you give the German answers, you have to manipulate the text a little bit. It's great in the German paper, they give very, very precise line references. And you should use them when you go into the text and search for the answers there. And then I think the main thing that I noted for Marisa, I think the German paper is all about detail. 
So if you really, really want to go for high marks on the paper, you have to uh, gather everything, every possibility, and you have to add detail. Very often they say three details, but sometimes they don't specify the details. But I would always say if there's detail, give at least two, three points. That's important. Now, the longer written piece is something that students talk a lot about. They have a choice between the letter or the essay. And it's fair to say the letter, I think, usually wins out. What advice do you have again for preparing the letter? Because, I mean, obviously they can learn a format, but they still need content. They do, they do. Yeah, um, I, obviously a letter in this day and age is not really what people write so much, but it's the preferred option for students. I think it's because the format is quite clear and you can get content marks for just sticking to the format as well. So if you have a little introduction and a nice closing line, you can get contact marks for that. I think, uh, yeah, themes... Uh, it could, it's, it's a wide range, but it's always really quite accessible, I think. It's about talking about your school, social networks, how you live, maybe uh, going abroad, um, health and fitness, uh, fan culture and sport, the weather, the environment. There's, there's no limit. Just look over the previous papers and you get a feel for it. I think the paragraphing is really important here. There's a certain way of doing it. Uh, you get uh, uh, usually five topics, but it's been reduced now. That's important to say. Uh, in this option now, uh, because of the COVID and the fact that the students haven't been in school now for uh, a long time for contact teaching, they've reduced the content there. You only have to answer uh, I think four points out of the five given to get full marks. And I think that's the same for the essay option. I think you have to only answer five out of the six marks. So coming back to the letter, paragraphing. Uh, make sure you nice, write a nice rounded paragraph in response to each of the cluster of questions. And uh, always refer, I think, to the main topic in your, first, in your first sentence. I think that's really helpful for the examiner if they know, oh, look, this the candidate is now answering this point because they want to give you marks, they want to give you content marks and if you give them a cue and say oh this is about this section, they find that easier. So that's important. Then obviously the language is important as well uh, and I would reserve some time at the end to look over my language. Uh, uh, obviously uh, there's a positive mark there involved as well so if you use nice structures, slightly more complex structures, subclauses, nice conjunctions, have really good word order, uh, um, use the past tense as well, uh, uh, then obviously you can score higher in the uh, language marks. So that's what, something that I would take yourself some time, and you might have some more time this time round, because the grammar section, students will be pleased to hear, has also been reduced. Uh, they can now get full marks for only answering one of the two questions there. So, I mean, this is something we're hearing again and again, you know, all those choices are helping students this time round as they face into the exams and should hopefully relieve the pressure a little bit. And then finally, the tape, just very, very, very quickly, Helmut, 10 minute break and then they get into that tape. Just one quick tip for that tape for yeah. listening to it. Uh, I always tell them, you know, you know, they have two and a half hours behind them and they need to bring up their concentration level again. Active listening, really, really important. Uh, uh, you can prepare for some sections, uh, particularly for the last section, the news section, you can prepare. There's vocabulary that you can study and the good okay. textbooks have s summaries about that. Make sure in the second part you answer in German uh, and uh, uh, study your weather vocabulary okay. <laughs> at the end. Uh, <laughs> Weather's and, uh, always good in overall, Just look at the good textbooks. There's so lots of advice around on 
uh, Deutsch.ie and study oh, clicks and Pushnet and I've put some stuff together. Oh, great, and there's also, thank you so much, Andrew, there's lovely um, tips, lovely, uh, that we have on our own, rt.ie, learn, and also Helmut has given us some notes this evening. So I want to thank Lorraine Clancy. My apologies for not getting back to Lorraine. But you can check out her website, which is lovely. It's called MsClancyEcon.com. Um, and I also want to thank Helmut Sunderman from St. Killian's German School in Klonski and also to AB. We'll be back on Thursday. We'll be going through the latest information of the Leaving Cert process. We'll be looking at classical studies, construction studies, Studies. And you can also download our podcast for the subject so far. And remember, of course, you are always welcome to email us at studyhub at rt.ie. You were listening to the Study Hub on Drive Time at RT Radio 1. Tune in to us live Tuesdays and Thursdays from 6.30pm.